I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. to thank you all for being here. Um, this show's a little bit different than my normal shows. Um, we're not streaming live on YouTube or Facebook because of the content of tonight's or today's show. Um, so I, don't, I won't be seeing any chat, so I don't know who's watching or listening, um, but I appreciate you all. Um, and I do truly appreciate any of the love donations that you send me to help keep the show going. It is greatly appreciated. Um, I, I support the show myself. So just so you know, um, and the reason why we're not live on YouTube and Facebook is because of the content of this show. This is a very, very important show to me because my guest is my soul sister. She is so close to my heart. This is the first show that I have ever done that I actually have tissues ready. Um, the messages that you're going to hear today need to be said, and the word needs to get out there. Um, my guest is Lori Keith. She's a licensed massage therapist. She is a clinical aromatherapist. She is an activist and warrior against the crimes against humanity, and she has been put up to this task because of the way her husband was taken from her. And without any further chatter from me, I would like to welcome my soul sister, Lori Keith. Hey, Lori. Hey, thank you. How, you're welcome. Um, 
I would love for you to be brave and share what happened to Scott, who was also near and dear to me as well as you are. Uh, we go back a long way. <laughs> we sure do. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Yeah. All right. So you just want me to share a timeline as far as yeah, what happened? Yeah. What, what happened with, with the COVID and when you, when you got sick and, and you know, move forward from there. Okay. Well, the reason that, you know, I'm so involved too is because, you know, Scott was my soulmate and we were married 41 years. Um, I, we got married when we were 19 years old um, and we had two children and we have nine grandchildren. So what happened and how it played out, um, I told him on his deathbed that I would honor him for the rest of my life in some small way every day. So um, I feel that God has put me in this place to expose what's going on and to hopefully uh, prevent others from going through the torture that he went through. So um, this goes back to um, December of 2021. And it was when we're, we're going to be discussing with COVID and what, you know, what happened. It was that second bout. He started coughing on December 3rd of 2021. He went to an urgent care on December 6th and was diagnosed positive, came home. And then all of us got sick, me, him, and my son, Jeffrey, got sick in the house. And um, we all quarantined. Urgent care told them, just go home, ride it out. If you can't breathe, go to the ER. They didn't give him anything to take. So, um, you know, we were really upping our dose on all our vitamins. I knew, but I didn't know the, the exact protocol for, for the uh, ivermectin. The and I didn't have hydroxychloroquine. So the treatment we started, but he wasn't taking enough. Mm -hmm. So on uh, um, December 14th, I noticed that like he was lethargic. So he wasn't coughing, wasn't wheezing. Um, just we were all laying around everybody, you know, we were staying in bed, chicken soup, that whole thing. And um, so they said, check, check his pulse socks. I couldn't get a reading on the one that I had borrowed from somebody. So I called the ambulance. The ambulance came in, the EMTs took his oxygen, said he was at 66. So they said, we have to get him to the hospital. They actually allowed him to walk two flights of stairs down behind them. Um, he walked out, they let him walk to the street and climb himself into the ambulance. Um, and when he got to the emergency room, he went, I didn't want him going to a uh, community in Tom's. I could say that, right? I'm assuming. Go ahead. Um, I didn't want him going. I didn't want him going to community medical center in Tom's River because my dad was in there and I wasn't happy with the care he got. So they said Brick was not taking patients that they were diverting. So he had to go to community. So he went to community that whole first day. I couldn't get in touch with him, um, kept trying to get the communication. Finally, the next day, because he went in at like 930 at night. Finally, the next day I was able to talk to him. Um, he, they started him. I had three girlfriends who worked in community and they had quit when they were forcing the jab. 
And they all felt, you know what, we worked on the front lines, we went through it, we got it. And now we're seeing people come back in that are vaccinated that are getting it. So we're, we're refusing to get the job. And um, they wound up quitting. And the one woman told me, the one nurse told me, she said, do not let them give him remdesivir because we're seeing that it causes kidney failure. And the second day I looked at his chart and they had given him remdesivir. So I, we call it run death is near, but so I called the hospital right away. I said, please, I want, I want you to stop giving him that medication. They had the doctor call me. He said, we can't stop that medication. It's the hospital protocol. That's what we give here. And I said, I don't want him getting that. And he said, if you don't want him getting that, then he's not going to be treated. You're going to have to take him to another hospital. And that required me paying for the ambulance, me getting a doctor, and then trying to find a hospital that was going to take them. And I called all other different hospitals, and it wound up being, you know, fruitless. I, I didn't get anywhere. So he was started on the remdesivir. His first dose was $2,600. He was given an injection of tocilizumab that first day, which was one injection was $10,208. He was given the remdesivir for five days. Um, Scott said he didn't want it. And I said he did, I didn't want him getting it. I didn't find in the records any informed consents. So I'm still working on trying to get more of the records from the hospital. On um, He had a scan done the day after he got put in the hospital. And that scan, looking at the scan, it says low probability for pulmonary embolism. Yet they insisted to me that when he got in there, he had blood clots in his lungs. So then why, why does this scan, scan say that? Once they got him on all these drugs, they had him on mega doses of the uh, blood thinners plus the steroids, which then ups his sugar. So it was just everything was just like he was being bombarded with all these drugs. Um, the sec, I was very upset when I got his records after... I did medical billing for 13 years. So after going through, I noticed that on his records, it said they administered the flu shot the second day he was in there. And nowhere on the billing, the itemized statement of drugs, does it say the flu shot? Yet it's in the records that they gave it to him. That too, I can't find an informed consent from Scott that he consented to that. And why um, would they do that? It's and, insane. you know, we're finding more and more, a lot of people didn't realize to check for that on the records. And now that they're checking, we're finding there's quite a few of us that are finding they were given that flu shot. Now you're, you're going in there with respiratory, but you know, you're fighting for your life. And yeah. then they give you something that's going to affect your immune system. It's just like, they, they want to break it down. That's how I felt. But yeah. so on, on December 21st, they started using a telesitter on him, which is a video camera that they put on the patient because they said he was pulling at tubes. He was getting agitated. And I, I know my husband, you know, family man, he is, he wanted to be home for Christmas. Yeah. And he was just pulling at that stuff and he was fighting like, you know, I want to go home or he wanted me to be allowed in there. Um, so um, I spoke to the nurse that same day on 1221. She never told me they put a video camera on him. They wound up giving him Xanax 
which, you know, just, yeah, calm him down because he's not behaving. He's being a bad boy. Um, they Then I asked her, I said, I want to know if you're turning him because I'm worried about bed sores. I knew he was having a hard time getting up to use the commode. She said, and she got very nasty with me. She's like, we're turning him every 45 minutes. We go in there and we return, we turn him. Well, when I got the records, she's, uh, the records showed that in 14 days, he had bed sores. His repositioning was self-encouraged. They never went in the room to reposition him. Um, you're telling the, a patient, you know, reposition yourself. They were treating the bed wound with barrier cream. Uh, to have bed sores within 14 days of being in the hospital is you're you're not being cared for. He was then um, put in a diaper, which was the most degrading thing ever for him. When um, I called because he called me the one night and he was so upset and he said, they haven't been in here in two hours. I've been hitting the button and I'm in this dirty diaper. Like he was so upset. And I called the nurse's station and the nurse said to me, you don't know what's going on in here. We're very understaffed. And my response was, I really don't care what's going on in there. My husband deserves to be cared for. And you guys just aren't even checking on him. He's been hitting the buzzer for two hours. They looked at it, you know, he's being a pain in the neck. Anybody who went in there that was unvaccinated, and I know this from a lot of medical records from other people that I've seen, capital letters every single day in the medical notes, unvaccinated, unvaccinated. Nurses were telling the patients, like, you're the reason that we're here. I know nurses who heard other nurses saying, you know, in the lunchroom, like, why do we have to treat these unvaccinated patients? They should just go home and die. And so no like with what was and you know you don't have we do have um with the organization we do have like a amnesty protection program but it's hard you know to ask people to be whistleblowers or to you know speak up so um after that when they went in and taking care of you know i called on january 7th now he passed away on january 11th so on january 7th this was four days before he passed he told the physical therapist that came in his room, he said, I feel like no one is helping me. No one is helping me to get stronger. And that killed me when I saw those notes because like, I didn't know that he was being as neglected as he was. On January 8th, um, two day, three days before he passed was when he was left in the dirty diaper for over two hours. <clears throat> the nurse, um, she specifically came right out on the phone and said to me, she goes, ma'am, because I said, I want to get in there. I'm a licensed massage therapist. I can help him. He's saying he's losing muscle mass in his legs. And she said, the only time you're going to come here is if he gets just discharged or at the time of death. Now, I wasn't even like absorbing that into my brain. Like, I, you know, my husband's coming home. If I have to go in there and drag him out. So she was like, you're not allowed to come in. Um, I took a full notebook of notes every single day from doing medical billing. You know, every phone call you make, every person you speak to, it's date, time, who they are, what department, they're, like every single thing I documented. Um, I spoke to uh, the pulmonologist who, when he was admitted, the, one, the doctor that was on call in the ER 
her husband was the pulmonologist. So once he was admitted, her husband started seeing him as the pulmonologist. And after five days that he wouldn't call me back, I was constantly calling. I called patient advocacy. Um, I filed a complaint and I said, I'm changing his doctors. And I fired them all. I brought in new doctors. I brought in new GI, new pulmonologist. And then the hospital convinced me to use the hospital list, which is the doctors that specifically work for the hospital. That was the biggest wrong move because mm. what I've been told now is they don't have a practice. They only work for the hospital. So with all the incentives and the financial that was given, these doctors are working for the hospital. So, but that was my decision that I had made. Um, they started with saying that the behavioral issues he had, they continued to drug him. Uh, three days before he passed, they had, they had put him in restraints. On January 10th, the day before, um, while, while he was in the ICU, he had called me on the morning of the 9th and said, Laura, I don't feel right. And I said, what do you mean you don't? He says, I don't know. Something, I just don't feel right. So I called the nurse. They said, we're going to bring in the ICU doctor and see if he should go into ICU. She said, you know, we really feel, and this is the, you'll hear this from everybody. When you speak to anybody who's lost anybody in the hospital, we need to give the lungs a rest. That's what they tell you. We're going to put them on the vent. He said no vent. I said no vent. They got him into ICU. They said, you got to give your lungs a rest. They convinced him to say okay to the vent. So they were going to start to put him on the vent and they gave him, uh, let's see, what was it? Two injections of midazolam, which is, you know, the tranquilizer they give them to before they're going to ventilate. But they had also given him 25 doses of fentanyl. So between those two drugs, when you look up how much they're giving them, it that will send the body into cardiac arrest. So what happened, he went into a cardiac arrest. And they, they did CPR for 30 minutes on him. And they called me, like Jeffrey and I, my son and I were celebrating because we said he didn't have a heart attack. He's, you know, maybe this will help him. He'll do better. And then 20 minutes later, they're like, you got to get down here. We're doing CPR. Do you want us to continue? And I'm like, of course I want you to continue. He's my husband. I haven't seen him in 26 days. Like, So they're like, well, you need to get down here right away. We were around the corner and they call me again. Do you want us to continue? I said, yes, I'm pulling in the parking lot. I remember Jeffrey dropped me off. They made me stop at the front desk. I'm crying and saying, you know, my husband's dying upstairs and you're going to make me stop here. To, you know, they got me upstairs. They were pumping on his chest. So I said, just stop. It was 30 minutes at that point. And they got his heart to start again, but they were pumping him full of drugs to just keep him, you know, to keep his heart going. Um, during that CPR, they collapsed his lungs. So we had to stay outside. They put a tube, they did put the tube in the side in the lung and they were draining him. So this is the hard part. I hadn't seen him for 26 days. And when I walked into that room, it was horrible. It was horrible to see what he looked, what they did to him in 26 days. And 
when I said I was there, he opened his eyes and he looked up at the ceiling and the tears just started running down his cheeks. And I thought, he know, I know, I knew he knew I was there, but he, um, they, it was horrible. It was horrible. And that, that, that vision of him will last with me forever. That picture of him. He, um, <coughs> they, they started testing him then. And I said, you know, I have to get my daughter up from Virginia. So they said, well, you know, we'll, we'll keep him on all the meds. We met with one doctor and they said, you know, you have to make the decision, you know, with the deprivation of oxygen to the brain that there's really no neurological response. They were, they said, we can't put him in an MRI. So my son and I sat and talked with one doctor and I said, he wouldn't, he wouldn't want me to just, you know, keep him on machines and see him just, you know, wither away to nothing. They did enough damage in 26 days. He went from 201 pounds when he went in there on December 14th and on January 11th, he was 160 pounds when he passed. So in that amount of time, short amount of time from what his body went into, his death certificate said multi-organ failure, sepsis, cardiac arrest. I forced them, I made them amend it to put the COVID because FEMA was paying for funeral expenses. And I said, he wouldn't have set foot in your hospital if he didn't have COVID. So they did amend the gifts, the um, gifts, death certificate. Then once he had passed, when I requested the records, I was introduced to the organization, uh, former feds, and uh, they have, it's, it's uh, crimes against humanity, uh, memory project. And they said, get in touch with them, tell your story, because there's a lot of people out there like you. There's a lot of people mm -hmm. like you. And I had no idea. I didn't know really what was going on, that this was so widespread throughout the country. Well, when I got on there and they interviewed me and then I learned, they said, you know, we need volunteers. We need people willing to interview To I said, well, I did medical billing. I can do review, whatever. I volunteered. I jumped right on board because I knew, I said, this has got to stop. This is yeah. evil. It's corruption. It's all about money. It's not about your health. It's about keeping you sick. So you make them rich. And I, yeah. so I was like, no, I'm in this fight. The CHBMP, they have support calls multiple nights a week. We would be on there. There'd be a hundred of us on the call and, you know, you cry, you tell your story, you have a, and we're all family now. We call each other family because we're all in this fight together from yeah. people in Washington, California. I feel like they're all part of my family. The, th and, uh, the other thing is when, that there, there are people out there that had this done to loved ones and they didn't see the crime in it because they didn't have the education or the background that you had or other people. And they went right down. So I, I, I really feel like that's a big, big part of getting the message out there as well, because it, it'll, you know, let people know that, Hey, wait a minute. They died because they killed them with the way they treated them. Yeah. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's huge too. Cause there's, well, you know, 
there are so many people out there that are still with blinders on and they can't see the clear truth of what's going on and what has happened with the federal government and the treatment that, you know, the, the crimes against yeah. humanity are huge. And the ones that you endured in that 26 days, how many crimes were committed? There, it's like, it's every yeah. single time. And, and, and you know, people, yeah. And the people don't realize the incentives that were given. So if the PCR tests that they did, if you walked in the hospital, my Scott at one, one night, he called me, he says, I have a new roommate, a man who fell and broke his hip at home. They brought him in. He tested positive on a rapid test. Okay. There's a lot of false positives. This man was right. put in Scott's room on the COVID floor with a broken hip. And it was like, are you kidding me? They're doing this to people. You walk in there. If you test positive, you're being thrown on the COVID floor. So the, mm. between the PCR test, the minute you get a positive COVID, the hospital gets a bonus. They start administering remdesivir. I think it was like a $10,000 bonus. You vent them another, I don't know how many thousands of dollars. And then what I found out, if they die of COVID, you get the hospital gets a full 20% bonus on top of the full hospital bill. Well, Scott's bill in 26 days was close to $500,000. So they're oh getting gosh. that bonus on top of it. So you wonder why they were pushing remdesivir, why they pushed vent. They were telling everybody it's to give their lungs a rest. That's not the case because a mm -hmm. lot of people do not come off the vent once they're on it. They pumped yeah, him with well, 55 knew. liters. Hmm? Go ahead. I was going to say, I knew about the corruption with the kickbacks from when I worked in cardiology with the trips to Paris, if you write our, you know, you write our drug script all the time, then we'll, we'll give you this for a bonus. We'll send your, you and your wife to wherever. And it was, you know, I know that they kind of put a stop to that, but apparently it's gotten worse than better. And the thing was, if you, because I'm highly allergic to pharmaceuticals, I carry an EpiPen, I've had anaphylactic shock, um, almost died. So I'm like, I always ask questions. Um, there's so many things I'm allergic to. So my husband, you know, Scott learned, that's why I did the clinical aromatherapy. I'm like, I have to learn right. how to be able to treat myself without putting medically made pharmaceuticals into my body that were made in a lab that my throat closes, you know, I, I can't do mm -hmm. that. So in learning about the medical part of it, I didn't like what I was seeing. And even before COVID, I was seeing the Gardasil vaccine being forced on high school kids. And they were trying to, they were trying to mandate it in New Jersey. And I said, all right, where are we going? Where are we marching? Cause I'm in. And we went to Trenton in January of 2020 with the children's health defense. And um, Stephanie Lucretia was, you know, she was really getting the movement going. There were thousands of us that day, 30 degree day. Well, everybody was saying to me, because I had a big sign said, you know, I'm fighting for my grandchildren. And they're like, why are you here? Like I said, I have nine grandchildren. They're not getting right. the Gardasil vaccine over my dead body. Yeah. So we fought. And with the numbers, we actually killed the bill that day. And it, everybody, I'm getting the goosebumps talking about it because yeah. every nationality, every ethnic group, every religion, we were all there together chanting outside with our megaphones. 
it was so moving. And I realized like we're power in numbers. The thing is to me, and I say this every single day, education is key. I'm not going to tell people how to treat themselves. I'm not going to tell people, hey, stop your medication or do just educate yourself right. on what you're being given, you know? Right. Right. People yeah. And that's what I say. Like, this, like the swine flu vaccines and all this crap that they started coming out with. And it's not that I'm anti-vaccine. Vaccines aren't vaccines anymore. It, they have so much garbage in them. And it's mm -hmm. not, you know, because yeah. people say, oh, how can you be anti-vaccine? Because if you know what is in the vaccine that you are receiving, you would not want to get it. You know, and you talk about the... Um, the, uh, the aromatherapy and the essential oils, a lot of pharmaceutical drugs are synthetic from plant-based because the plants are what cures us. They're synthetically made in the lab mm -hmm. and then they get all the garbage to kill us and break us down. So yes, we're dependent yes. on their crap. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And, and it's just know, like, you know, I tell with my grandkids is we got to read labels. Like there's all the bioengineered everything. You can't uh, find the label without that on it, you know? Right. Right. It's and insane. I was, and to me, like, I was, the, I was just going to say, I was in the car yesterday and I was thinking, you know, there was a time when you thought about the grade and quality of the meats that you ate or where you could find the freshest vegetables or the sweetest fruits. Now you have to think about what's in it. How many chemicals are in it? What have they injected it with? What have they put out? How has it been grown or manufactured? Because it's toxins. It's just, it's, yeah. and the, you know, the crimes against the humanity goes all, all around everywhere. It's not just the United States mm -hmm. either. It's worldwide. And it's got to stop. And that's why it was so important for me yeah. to have you on here, not only because I know you and I've, and I've lived through this with you, um, but I know that there's so many people out there that don't even realize that's why they lost their loved ones, because of the way they were mm -hmm. treated. It's very sad. And the fact that yeah. they kept and, and, you know, the, the billing. Yeah. And the, with the billing, when I started, when I got that, I started, you know, scrutinizing that and going through and I'm like, they counseled the family that it put, you know, Oh, counseled the family and they declined an autopsy. And, and I remember I said to Jeffrey, I'm like, you know, we didn't even get an, an autopsy and we should have, because it could have proven that, you know, he didn't die of COVID, but, um, they, when I called the doctor, cause I, you know, I'm, I'm a born, you know, I'm an Aries, I'm a born fighter warrior or whatever. <laughs> and, um, I got on the phone. I said, I want to talk to the, you know, the head of the ICU and the doctor called me, Dr. Khan. And, um, he said, well, that was their mistake. If they didn't, I said, yeah, but they billed for this consultation that we did not get. And they got paid by the insurance company. And his answer was, well, we're a teaching hospital. When he's, I wrote every word, wrote in quotes what they did say. And I said to him, that's no excuse. Like my husband. And then the, the, the doctors would say, well, it's COVID. That's what we're seeing with COVID. And I said, no, you're not. That's what you're seeing with the drugs you're giving them. Why didn't my son and I get that? Why didn't we die at home? We had the same right. COVID. Like, this is ridiculous. 
So to me, and when I started going through and looking at, you know, the infectious disease doctor writing every single day using the code that he was seeing him initially 45 minutes, then 30 minutes, then 20. He didn't even go in Scott's room. And if it was, it was three minutes. So it's yeah. like I he started built. He was out of network. And I said to his office manager, I said, I want to see the, the notes because I want to know, like, what what did they play poker for half an hour? Because <laughs> like, yeah. I want to no, he stood at the nursing station. He stood at the nursing station. Do you know, like, I glanced at his chart yeah. and chatted it up with the nurses. <laughs> yeah. That's what they did. And I was like, so, nope. And the minute, you know, when you, if you call and you ask, then all of a sudden you don't get the bills anymore. And it's like, boy, it's funny that when you start digging deep and you start looking at stuff and scrutinizing, and I was like, all right, this is really bad. And then getting involved with CHBMP, the New Jersey part, we have three of, there's two, a chair, a co-chair, and then I do like the website and all the social media stuff. We really started like we did billboards. We did a banner plane over Wildwood. And it was really like we want people to just go to the website, look at the cases, look at the we have over a thousand documented cases that yeah, same exact story from 25 to like 31 days in the hospital played out the same way. These are hardworking men, women primarily like thirties to sixties. It's like, why, why did this happen? So yeah. now I'm, now I'm in the major fight. So I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the CHBMP and the former feds and the organizations that you are involved in and what they do and how people can get connected. Um, so we're going to take that quick commercial break and we'll be back soon. Thank you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, Ashley's on because there was a comment. Hi, Mom and Mary. <laughs> love you, Ash. <laughs> yeah, we both love you, Ash. Very proud of you. Um, so 
tell me about um, what you're doing now with with the organizations and well you you shared a little bit I know about the billboards but and and I think that's the site that it's like a memorial wall you have all the the victims their yeah. pictures where they're from yeah and it's and, and it it's it's just heart-wrenching heart-wrenching mm -hmm. um, even if you don't have someone please just go to the website and look at and how you can help anyway getting the word out but go ahead and share some of that stuff with us yeah so the the most exciting thing i think it was september 26th or 27th they filed former feds um and there's attorneys i think there's five or six attorneys we i had shared the document with you they filed a class action suit against mm -hmm. gilead who is the maker of remdesivir because of the PrEP Act, um, the doctors' hospitals were protected against when you use emergency use authorization drugs, they're protected So against liability. So you have to get around that. So they're doing it with, um, I think it's called constructive fraud, but it's that because they did not give patients the informed consent, they did not tell them that there's over a 50% mortality rate if you take remdesivir. Studies done, you know, when this was given and 53% died from it. Well, would you take it if you were offered that? And they said there's a 50-50 chance. So mm -hmm. they filed this class action suit. It's going to be years, many, many years. And it's not the money. It's that we want to expose this. And with yeah. CHBMP, with the former feds group, it's such an amazing group. We're all volunteers. And now we're getting the states. Each state is taking off on their own. So I started doing the New Jersey website, which was the first one to be put up. And it was just to show people because there's a lot of ugliness to it. But then the love that that person that was there, like Scott, that family, family and meaningful stuff meant so much to him that you want people to see that it's not about mm -hmm. him laying in the hospital bed it's what he did when he was here and right. i want people to know what was what was taken from me this is what they took from me and it's not right yeah yeah and he was so such one a thing though i yeah <laughs> i was just gonna yeah. say he was such a great provider and a family man and a wonderful gardener and neighbor. I mean, he and a and a friend. There, and and he's not the only one. There's all those others that were taken that m meant something to a family or to a loved one, and and did ma many 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 amazing things in their lives. And they were cut down. Yeah, and that's the thing. People, you know, I've had like people comment nurses physical therapists on you know social media and be like well then why'd you put them in there it's like are you kidding me we put our faith and our trust in the healthcare system that hey i'm dying i need to go to the hospital and now it's like we need you know if you think come to my house go through his 2000 pages of medical records. Yeah. And then you tell me that this was handled the right way. The one thing with CHBMP, 
what we're doing, they've compiled because of all these case studies. Uh, the gentleman that he does all the computer work, Matt Cresto, Matthew Cresto, he designed the whole um, medical records part of our website so that we can have these cases and we know which cases got remdesivir, which cases were vented, which cases everybody, you know, primarily unvaccinated, which is really coming out a lot that this happened to the mm -hmm. unvaccinated because they were mistreated. But they found there were tw 25 commonalities that out of all the cases that were submitted, and when you read those 25 commonalities, it's like so many people, they go, yeah, you know, my loved one was in there. Well, then document your story, you know, share right. your story. Can I, you okay with me reading them? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the, the 25 commonalities, number one, isolation of victim. That means the victims denied any access to family, friends, any advocate, pastor, priest, or clergy. Number two, strict adherence to the emergency use authorization protocols, including remdesivir, tocilizumab, Actemra, um, all the things that if you really get into reading about these drugs, you, you would find out how horrible they are. Number three, denied alternative treatments. They laughed at patients that remdesivir is horse paste and you shouldn't be taking that. And it was all, it was disgusting how they belittled, belittled patients. Number four, they denied informed consent. They would say he wasn't well enough, like with Scott, certain things that were given. They didn't tell them, this is what we're giving you today. If I was there visiting him every day, I would have been asking, what are you and giving him today? And you wonder if the isolation was part of that because yes. they didn't want you to know what they were doing. It Absolutely. wasn't about spreading COVID. Absolutely. Um, number five was gaslighting. The hospital staff, victim, and family constantly told the victim will die because they are unvaccinated. And that was a constant thing that we all heard. If they refuse to be vaccinated, if they don't comply with the protocol or event, they were constantly, and we were constantly, I was told this every day, oh, your husband's a very sick man. He's a very sick man. It's like they put the blame on you because you didn't get vaccinated. Number six, removal of communication devices. Scott, so many nights he'd call from the hospital phone because he said, I can't find my cell phone. Then they told him the cord wasn't long enough. So I went and bought a specific 12 foot charger cord for him. And they still like, and, and I've seen, and I've heard recordings where they've taken from patients in the hospital. They would hide phones. They would hide food that the family sent in. Number seven, dehumanization. So that's the tele sitter, the video camera on them, the restraints, um, talking down to them like they were animals. And we have recordings of patients that got recordings of that. Number eight, pervasive sense of wrongdoing. Number nine, vaccination discrimination. Number 10, rapid oxygen increase. And I saw that firsthand because Scott was kept on 55 liters of oxygen for 26 days. No one, No one's lungs can tolerate that. He would have never gotten off of the oxygen. 11, refusal to communicate. Doctors, nurses, hospital administration refusing to communicate with family. Well, in the Scott's notes, it was noted I was the pain in the rear. Like yeah. she calls multiple times per day. 12, 
dehydration and starvation. Well, you lose 40 pounds in 21 days. Restraint, abuse, 14 bathroom denial. That's why he was thrown in the diaper because they didn't have enough people to get him the bathroom. 15, non-emergency uh, ventilation. 16, pressure or DNR pressure. They put on you like, do you want us to do a DNR so that we're not resuscitating? 17, palliative care pressure. 18, isolated even in death. 19, police security involvement where they're removing family members from the hospital because you're trying to get in there. 20, refusal or transfer. That I experienced. They told me, you're not taking them out of here. You have to pay for that on your own. 21, infections and injuries. Well, Scott wound up with pseudomonas, the sepsis. He had a blood transfusion that they never told me about. Three days before he died, he had a blood transfusion. And then he wound up with the pseudomonas, which is a blood infection. Mm -hmm. 21, infections, injuries. 22, neglect. 23, nighttime emergencies. Most of the rapid responses, things that would happen, they would call you at two o'clock in the morning, hoping that you wouldn't answer the phone. You know, it was yeah. always at night. Um, 24, perception of malevol malevolence. Victim stays or feels like hospital staff is torturing them or going to kill them. And 25, unqualified staff. We know of, you know, nurses that didn't that got licenses fraudulently that were working in hospitals. They got licensed illegally out of certain states and um, were thrown into these hospitals. There were a lot of traveling nurses came in because a lot of nurses were quitting. They yes. were walking off the job. But the, um, what was I going to say? The, where the patient saying they're trying to kill me. There's a, a, a woman, Gail Seiler, who is huge involved with CHBMP. She does so much for the organization. She, her story is on chbmp.org. She survived. She was in the hospital and her husband, who's a nurse, actually went in there and physically took her out of the hospital. And the hospital made her get wheeled out in a wheelchair through the morgue in order to leave the hospital. They wouldn't let them leave. She has on recording all that went in. Her husband sent the cops in for a well check. And when the cops saw her, she said, yes, I'm being abused. And the cops didn't know what to do. They're like, we don't know what to do in this situation. You're in the hospital. So they, yeah. they didn't do anything about it. And he had to go in physically. So it was like, when you see these stories, you realize like when you walk in there and you sign those papers, if you don't read every fine print, you are giving your total life away to them. They call the shots. They give you what they want. And they're then they're, they're not liable for that. Like there is no way it's so to me with CHBMP, all the people that I've met, we became so involved then in the push to educate, to get yeah. the word out there that now it's more in reaching out to the political arena. Because when I marched with Gardasil, I saw big pharma, the lobbyists, get the money. They give it to the politicians for their campaign and the politicians will do whatever they want them to do. So right. they're backing this stuff, not knowing what it's doing. Yeah. And if you see, you know, they lose family members or grandchildren from a vaccine that maybe they would think twice about it. But right. when I was on the children's health defense bus and I saw <coughs> all those children 
all pictures of these children that had died from, you know, vaccines that, are, and I, I don't even want to call them vaccines. And it's, they're not, you know, since like sudden infant death syndrome, start researching that. Now it's adult right. death syndrome. Right. Sudden and athletes drop in on courts and, and fields. It, it's like, come on, you know, people having, we, here in um, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel um, a couple of months ago, a truck went off. And usually when they go off, they're up higher where the, like the wind catches them. And when I heard the story, you know, I, I received the message that it, it was a, you know, cardiac event and he, it was due to the, the jab. And sure enough, I went over that bridge the next day. He was barely out of the tolls. He was 35 years old and went off the side of the bridge. Now you can't tell me that that is normal for that to happen. It's like the athletes and you never, then never mention about the jab because they don't want you to know, but you know, there's so many things that are out there and being exposed, but people don't know where to find them because it's not in the mainstream media because we're being stifled so much. So um, the, the CHBMP, how many States is that in now? Oh, I think we have like, you know, cases where in all of them, as far I, you know, I don't know as far as how many, I know, you know, California has a ton of cases, Texas has a ton of cases, but each state as we're getting the word out, they're growing, yeah. you know, like we're getting, people are contacting, plus there's other groups like children's health defense. There's yeah. other different groups and we're trying to all be together you know we're like look we all need to get along we're all trying to get to the same goal right so let's all work together because yeah. this isn't about who's doing better and who's doing this is about getting the drug off the market never allowing someone to ever be dying alone that their family's not allowed to be with them right. and then making doctors and nurses accountable to your care right if there's something you don't want that you're in charge of your care you know, that's how it's supposed to be. And they protect themselves. They really do that. You know, there's always those loopholes about, you know, the drugs and how they, you know, they write all that in. So you don't have a leg to stand on. And it's like, we have mm -hmm. to really get the word out and wake people up. And it's not just about the COVID stuff. It's everything. It's all of the drugs in, and you know, when I worked in cardiology so many years ago, I can remember Patients would come in and they would take like maybe an aspirin a day. And that was it. Then they'd get their first prescription drug. And before long, there was a laundry list because they don't go to the root cause. They just keep masking the symptoms. So once you get on a pharmaceutical drug, you have all these side effects. And these side effects are, they just, okay, well then let's write this script for the side effects. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. And you see it in people, um, you know, our bodies don't metabolize food correctly. And it's not just about what's in the food, but it's about the, the drugs that we're on, the pharmaceutical drugs that we're on. Um, not me personally or you personally, but there's so many people out there and it affects the way we think. We get dumbed down. We can be more controlled. It just goes on and on and on. And it's it, it's going to stop. It's got to stop. So, so well, the main thing, you know, that's, uh, that's the main Go thing ahead. is like with the 
the, the clinical aromatherapy, you know, why I got into that was because everything, and, you know, I did, I worked with chiropractors for how many years doing the billing yeah. and they were, you know, it's hands, it's your hands, it's innate intelligence, your body can heal itself. And when I started right. learning about all that, I was like, you know, people have to start realizing to me, God gave us these plants and what's on this earth. And there are so many herbs and plants and right. roots and things that are healing, curing that we could right. have cures for a lot of things if people started, you know, looking at that stuff. So I really. And God also gave us a, an immune system that if it's taken care of properly, it can, it heals and it works. But because Correct. of the vaccines and the toxins in the foods, it kept breaking down the immune system. The autoimmune diseases came rampant. As a child, I remember, you know, I lived in a town where there was the cold docks and the, the national lead and DuPont. And when my mom would have the windows open in the spring, there'd be like black soot on the windowsills. That's what we're breathing in, you know, and yeah. that creates yeah. all, the, you know, all those toxins, all of that. And we get bombarded. Now they're bombarding us with pharmaceuticals and corrupting our food, our food supplies. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah the, and you don't realize, you know, with the, yeah, when you're what you're putting in your body, like, and that's my thing. And, you know, you and I, I mean, we've known each other for each other for a long time. And we've always yeah. said this and our, our allergies and what, you know, affects us. I look at it as God has really blessed me. Number one, he gave me the best man for me for 43 years. Like I, we matured together. We, he was such a good Christian. And mm -hmm. now when I look back on things that he did, I feel, you know, it, that was so monumental and it's what I needed at the time. We needed each other, but God has also blessed me with all these allergies because I see, you know, even as a kid growing up, it'd be like my throat's closing. I can't, you know, so it, yeah. I, I look at it. This is a blessing for me because I had to find it's, other ways. And I, you know what? I, I can understand that because I say that about being diagnosed with Lyme disease, that that was a blessing for me because it had me look at life in a different way. And I started to study and look into nutrition and taking care of my body because I said, you know, you, uh, it's not going to have me. I'm not going to allow it, you know, and, and yeah. we start to go down that education path of how, you know, how can we get better? Cause there's gotta be a way and it's yeah. not run into the doctor, which is programmed. And you mentioned the, um, the, the treatment and what the, the staffing was saying. And, you know, we know as spiritual beings that our thoughts create our world and the things that we hear and we surround ourselves with uplift us and create our health and everything about nourishing our mind, body, and soul. So when there, a patient is in the hospital, not well to begin with, and they're mega dosing them with poisons and then talking to them verbally, abusing them, yeah. they're just beating them down to where there's nothing left. Yes. yes. And that's against everything and against God's law for sure. Um, Robin's on and she said that she was es escorted out of the hospital by cops in 2021. 
she was trying to see her mother. I think I connected you and Robin together um, because Robin had shared this story about her mom. And I said, you got to talk to Lori. And, you know, I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to do this show. And I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot more to come because there's so many things that are being exposed and coming up front. And plus, I know that you and I together, we have a lot of work that we're going to be doing when I, when I, when I get back. <laughs> yeah, we got we're going to be doing that wellness ministry and all that wonderful that's stuff. Right. I can't I can't wait. I really yeah. can't wait. But and um, then, you know, that's so, another thing is that to guide people reaching out to CHBMP with the support calls really got me through getting active in my in Union Church in Lavalette. The pastor there, Pastor Todd, is so awesome. He just, you know, you call him. And so keeping the faith in your life and then, you know, learning, seeing that there's other people out there. There's all these support groups, these support calls and everything is for free. You know, like they're there, they yeah. help you. We don't want to see anyone suffering in silence and saying, you know, I lost my husband or wife or child due to this. Like reach out, you know, find yeah. out what's out there for you. Because you're not alone. You're not yes. alone and you not don't alone. have to be afraid or don't think that you're that important because we are all equally important and so are your loved ones. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, this is a blessing and you know everything happens in divine order and it's sometimes that's hard to swallow like you you're sitting there without the love of your life and but you see that there was a purpose in everything and you're doing the right thing and and you're exposing this and you're getting out there and you're supporting others you you did the the grief share at the church you continue yeah. to do that and that's how we're supposed to be we're supposed to be there uplifting, sharing, being there for one another, not dividing, separating, yes, you exactly. know, tearing people apart. And there is so much love out there. And don't be afraid to reach out and ask for the help because we're there. Yep. We are there. Um, so I, I want to get clear on this. So the former feds, are they separate from the CHBMP? Well, the former Feds Foundation was started. Brad Geyer, who is the attorney, he was a former federal prosecutor, decided to get out of that. He started the former Feds Freedom Foundation, 501c3, um, you know, nonprofit. And he actually lives in New Jersey. And then when all this started happening with COVID, because they were involved in, you know, freedom. Uh, if you look at the website, like it gives you a background of everything with the organization. Once they started seeing this with the COVID, the crimes against humanity, they developed the crimes. Uh, I think it's crimes against humanity memory. Project. It's, it's COVID-19 humanity Be betrayal memory project. Okay. Thank I wrote you. it down. <laughs> and you think I would know that, right? You think I would that's know a lot. That. Um, but yeah, so that that's how it started. So they were like established before, but then once all these stories started coming in, they set up the with the CHBMP. Now we have a whole nother section of the jab injured, which I mean, we have people on the calls that it's, you know, you just yeah. can't believe what people and right now that. That's, you know, it's supporting. We have, we just did, um, finished up a cookbook that loved ones you submitted for you with your loved ones' memories. And 
you put a picture and a story to go with the recipe and they're raising money for that. So you can find that through the website. It's I worked on the cookbook and every night doing those recipes, I would cry because I was like these men and these women, it's, you know, it's so much like, you know, my life. And um, so I really, they're, they're doing amazing things like that, that they're there for people. And um, it's just caring. There's no judgment. And I'm just proud to be a part of, you know, that group. Yeah. The cookbook is a beautiful thing because when you think about it, that's like the center of family to get around and to share meals and yep. conversations yeah. and, and it, and, I, I, I'm looking forward to getting mine. Um, and, and you know, so, remember, and then, remember Scott with the carrot cake, right? So oh, every yeah. year he had his <laughs> So that's in there. Great in the carrots, Laura. <laughs> There's nothing like it. Um, and so then the Children's Health Defense, is that a separate organization or is that a, yes. a part of one? Yeah, it's separate. No, yeah. it's totally separate. It's, but they support, you know, we support each other. Mm -hmm. And so, that's specifically for the COVID and the jabs, or is it just for all kinds of health for children? That really, that started um, with, you know, protecting children against vaccination, you know, vaccine yeah. injuries. That's where that started originally. And I got involved because with my grandchildren, I was really concerned when I saw what was coming out. So I got involved with them many years ago and, yeah. um, you know, saw that then being thrown into the firsthand experience, but I'm still involved. And because, you know, I, I want to protect my grandkids, you know, yeah. they're, I just nine, I love them all. So. Hence the reason why I'm coming back to New Jersey to be there with my grandkids, you know, that's it. But there's a We're going to have a lot get to get together again. I was thinking today, it was like, do you remember we, we did our first shaman journey together. I got that tattoo on my back yeah. of the parrot and you were massaging me and you said, Oh, that's your spirit animal. And I was like, I forgot all about it, but I was, I got the tattoo. <laughs> Lots of memories. Oh my gosh. Lots yeah, we had some real good good times. And we're gonna have many more to come. Lori, I want to thank you so much. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure, but for you to have the courage to come and share your story. And I want to thank uh Ruth and Richard and Ashley and Robin and anybody else that was listening, and I'm sure there's gonna be more after the recording too. Um Everyone, be blessed. If you need help, yes. reach Thank out. You. It's Thank there. You. Love you all. Love, Love you, Lord. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.